Hi, everyone. It's Sharon Devonish Lee, your publicity strategist and host of NetStruck Talks. And today we have an exciting guest with us, the executive producer for Here and Now, Channel 7, Ms. Tracy Washington Bagley. And she is going to talk to us about Here and Now, the show, as well as the amount of time that she's been in this industry, as well as giving us some nuggets in terms of, you know, working in this industry and what we can do in this type of industry to excel ourselves. Stay tuned and I'll see you in a few minutes. Welcome again. This is Sharon Devonish Lee, the host for Netstruck Talks. And again, as I mentioned, I have a special guest with us today, Ms. Tracy Washington Bagley. She is a very good friend of mine, but she is a whole just just worth so much knowledge in the PR media communications industry. And I'm just so excited for her to be on the show today. Welcome, Tracy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So it's as, as I had mentioned, you are the executive producer for Here and Now, Channel 7, which is a mainstream platform. Um, you know, the host is uh, the, the host is um, Sandra Bookman. Please talk to those who, I, I'm, I'm going to say who's living under a rock, but talk to us in terms of about, you know, a little bit in terms of what Here and Now is about and how did you get into this type of field? Okay, so... Here and Now actually evolved out of Like It Is, which was a, the longest running African-American um, program magazine show since 1968. Gil Noble, the iconic journalist, uh, Gil Noble, uh, was the host for many, many years. And, you know, sadly, he got sick, he passed away. And Channel 7 uh, continued its commitment to the African-American community and said basically to to us, um, we have to continue this tradition in journalism, but we can't use the same name because Gil was very smart in that he owned the name and he owned the program after they aired. So he actually uh, was acquiring an archive, um, which actually his family has to this day. Not sure where it's going to end up, but there's a wealth of um, information that shows and so it was up to me to create something that could continue the tradition, but of course we could never replace like it is. Um, right, right. And so we came up with the title here and now, and I thought it would be a good idea to actually um, bring in a female host because I felt like the community might not be ready for a male host to step into those big shoes, Gil Noble shoes. Uh-huh. Andrew Bookman and I had worked on Operation Save a Life, a special that um, airs on Channel 7 years ago. Mm-hmm. And respected her a lot as a journalist. You know, she's um, a weekend anchor, reporter, very smart. And I thought she'd be a good fit. So here we are with Erin Now, which is a an hour-long magazine program that focuses on um, the issues and interests of African-American and Hispanic community also. Basically, we could say in community of color. And beauty of a show like Here and Now is that it's not just um, 
you know, it's not just news coverage where you're getting a couple of sound bites. Mm-hmm. When you have a long form program like here and now, people people really get to um, talk about their issue and and give their perspective that you might not hear in a short news package, so to speak. So that's where we are here and now. It's been great. It started in 2011 and we celebrated our 10th anniversary last year. And congratulations. Thank you. Um, in a, you know, number one market. Um, mm-hmm. so, and there's a small, it's a small group of us. We don't have this massive team, uh, but we get it on somehow. <laughs> no, and, and I commend you on that because, I mean, you know, all of the episodes of what you have are all interesting. It's newsworthy. And, you know, as me as a publicist, I'm always looking for different platforms and, you know, and I'm just listening to different, um, you know, stories. And you guys really bring that information out in the African-American and people of color communities, the things that people really did not know. So I love the fact that, yes, it is a small team that what you have, but you guys really get it in. And I commend you on that. And congratulations on, you know, hitting your 10th year. I look forward to your 20th year because last year I saw what you guys did. And, you know, I, I love the feature of what you guys did for, you know, for your anniversary, for your celebration. So I can't wait until you get to your 20th year because you guys will. Thank you. <laughs> so, so let's talk about a little in terms of, you know, I know what made you want to get into journalism? Was was this your first thing that you thought of when you decided to, you know, that you want to look for a career? Well, it's interesting because I always liked to write um, as a kid. Um, I always loved to you know, just sit down and, and, and write. And basically I was, I, I didn't realize it, but a young storyteller in a sense, I love to tell stories, share stories. Um, but I really didn't realize that journalism was going to be my pathway. However, I was writing for the high school uh, newspaper, Uniondale High School, shout out Long Island. Uh, okay. It was a black and gold, yeah, newspaper. And <laughs> I still didn't get it though. You know, when you're young, you don't always connect the dots the way you should. Um, I had her best friend, Michelle Johnson. She knew. She was like, I want to be a journalist. And I started thinking, I'm like, hmm, that sounds like something I might want to do. Long story short, my mom, um, who was a New York City teacher for 30 years, there was no internet. So it wasn't like she could Google the best colleges for me to go to. Mm-hmm. She called the American Association of Journalists. And she was basically like, okay, well, you know, tell me the top schools. And Syracuse came up, Ohio University. We jumped in a station wagon, went to um, Athens, Ohio, 14, 15 hours later. And my mother was asking all the right questions. She's like, will she get hands-on experience? Will she be job ready? And one thing that Ohio University offered was that as a freshman, I could walk in the door. This was aside from my classes. And I could be on a radio station, which was 50,000 watts. There was a nightly newscast. Um, no. behind the scenes, learning how to run the cameras, floor directing. I had a radio show and it just kind of grew over a four year period. I started producing um, a talk show on the, on the radio. I had a music show, et cetera, et cetera. So when I got my degree, I was job ready. Um, wow. And so that made the difference. I, you know, Syracuse was great, but a lot of the uh, well-known or you know, I guess you could say bigger schools a lot of times students aren't able to get that experience until they're like in their junior year, right? 
and they steered them a lot of times towards, um, you know, getting the ideal internship. I didn't really have to have an internship because my internship started when I, you know, entered Ohio University. So that was key for me. Um, but I had a really good mentor. Her name was Alma John. She was the first black woman to have a radio show in New York City. Oh, yeah. Nurse and um, a friend of the family. She sat me down at the age of 18 and she said, if you want to get in this business, if they hire you to gather paper clips, that's what you do. Get your phone right. in learn everything you can and and just go for it. So I had that mindset. Um, so I really wasn't uh, focused on being a producer. Uh, matter of fact, I thought I would just, you know, kind of go into radio because that's what I was doing. I'm like, oh, I'm the DJ or, you know, radio talk show. And uh, News 12 started um, in uh, Woodbury, Long Island. They were launching the first 24-hour news network. And they hired me as a sound tech. So I was out there, only only woman, connected to a beta cam um, camera, mostly all white males. And, you know, I had to keep up with them. They were jerking me around, you know, just, you know, out of shore to test, seeing uh -huh. how and um, technology, you know, um, making some changes to the way in which we would um, gather news. So there was no longer um, like a tape deck and a camera, right? They had a beta cam. And I remember my supervisor saying, you know, all the sound techs are going to be running an ENG truck, which was this, you know, news van with the long mask. And right. Like, you don't want to do that, do you? And I said, yeah, sure. He's like, okay. <laughs> Listen, what, what your mentor said, it was like, listen, if they want to tell you to do this, you got to get your foot in right. the door. Right. So I drive the news truck around and they'd send me to a live shot and I hook up the cables to the camera and the reporters were out there. And, you know, as time passed, the same supervisor said to me, you want to come inside the newsroom? You want to do a little writing? And uh, after about four years, I had gone from being a sound tech production assistant, associate producer to producing a four hour live newscast. Wow. And, you know, the man above had something even better in store for me. I interviewed um, at ABC in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. I'd never really been to Philadelphia. I mean, I maybe visited, but never thought about, you know, working there. Mm -hmm. And they hired me as an associate producer, producer um, eventually. And I ended up producing a teen magazine show, uh, Children First Specials. It just kept, ha it, I was like, wow, this is just, Unbelievable. So I was there for almost 10 years and then wow. hired me. New so, York City hired you then. After. Yeah. And I remember my family and my mom said, you're coming home. I was like, okay. Um, and so I, I took, <laughs> I, you know, there's no real pathway because I was at Channel 7 and I heard about a talk show in Houston. I went down there for a year. I left Channel 7. My boss, Art Moore, was like, why are you leaving? I said, because this is this is, this is exciting. She's going to be the next Oprah. He's like, okay, you have my blessing. I go down to ABC in Houston. Mm -hmm. The show doesn't take off as a national show. Next thing I know, I'm getting an offer to produce ABC's Houston Medical, which was a reality series in a trauma center in Herman uh, Memorial Hospital. And I spent two years producing that series. And that really tested my producing skills. I was, you know, I had to oversee a crew in a trauma center. Fast forward to when that wrapped up, I was called back to Channel 7 and I got to work with Gil Noble. Wow. And 
here and now. So it, it's just weird pathway that I took, but you know, I kept my eye on the experience. It was never <laughs> really about, um, you know, the salary too, but it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to take this position because it's going to pay more. It was like, oh, this is another good experience. An experience. And that's, and, and, I'm, and I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, when you look at journalists that's coming up now or, you know, anyone that's coming up in the, the public relations industry, communications, you know, they're looking at, well, how much am I going to get paid? What am I going to do? Like they want to just jump right in and start doing stories. And, 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 you know, when I get interns, I tell them, I said, listen, you got to take it slow. Um, you know, these are things that we have to do. First and foremost, you need to make phone calls to these desks and create a relationship. Just find out like, hey, you know, I just want to just confirm to make sure that, you know, this is the correct email that I can send an email, a pitch to. And so, and they don't want to do it. You know, right. so right. they, they, you right. sit there and you say to yourself, you got to start small because this is a type of industry that can suck you up and right. spit you out and you will not have a career in it ever again. So you got to do this right. And you got to be humble about it. So just hearing your journey, mm -hmm. you literally took that. And like you said, the man above, he blessed you because, you know, you stayed in the ABC family for like in three states. <laughs> and it never matched. <laughs> yeah, in, in different industries. I mean, healthcare, um, you know, black mm -hmm. uh, talk show. I mean, you were really in, you're, you're well-versed right. in this type of industry. And, um, you know, it's great to hear this because it gives people like myself and others uh, a, a vision to say that, you know what, we can, we can continue doing this because there is space for us. Right. Right. And also I, I tell, um, you know, young aspiring journalists, you want to make your, you want to make your mistakes in smaller markets. You don't want to come to the number one market and make all your mistakes. Mm. So, you know, a lot of the mistakes I made and I'm, I'm always going to make a mistake because I'm human, right? And I always mm -hmm. tell my interns, my social producer, whoever, my editors, we all make mistakes. So it's not so much the mistake, it's how we correct it, how we go forward. But, you know, in the beginning, you do make a lot of mistakes. So at least I was, you know, at first in college making the mistakes, you know, um, at, a, at a smaller station, cable, and you learn, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, and the other thing was I didn't make a lot of money in the beginning. I mean, back then it was like maybe 13,000 a year. And even though it's many years ago, it was still not a lot of money, but I would leave that job and go to another job. I go to a bank and I work, you know, in the afternoon to evening, I was getting up at two, three in the morning to go to news 12. And then I, you know, finish that shift, sleep in my car for an hour and then go to the bank. So no, and, and, and again, you, you made sacrifices. Mm -hmm. And in, in this type of industry, there, there are sacrifices. And I'm pretty sure even though you made 13000 a year, you left being fulfilled because that was something that you love to do. Right. right. I tell you, mm -hmm. you don't love it it's, it, it, it's a job at that point. It's not a career. It's not a passion. And, you know, going into journalism, going into public relations, communications, you know, this is something where you have to have a passion about it. You have oh. to be a people's person. If not, you sink at this. You, you'll, you'll suck at it. You have to love this. You are, I always say you can't like it. You can't kind of like it. You have to really love it um, because it will challenge you. People will challenge your skills. 
as an African-American woman, I knew that, you know, we hate to say it, but you always have to be three times better, uh, especially, yeah, even now. But when I first started, it was a white male dominated field. You know, most of the people behind the camera, producers, writers were white males. So here I am, this young 20 something year old, you know, well, what are you doing here? You know, back in the day, they would say things like, who wrote this piece of crap? You know, the newsroom would shout it out. There was no such thing as, you know, harassment or whatever. Um, and you just had to roll with the punches. Right. And and you talk about, because you've been in the industry for so long, mm-hmm. talk about the transition from when you initially started in terms of technology. So, so one of my mentors, she's been a publicist for 30 plus years. And, you know, when I interviewed her, she said, Sharon, we didn't even have, you know, email. It, it was literally fax. And we had to walk over to that, you know, that that platform that, you know, that newsroom and have coffee with a reporter or a journalist. And so and create that relationship. I mean, talk to us in terms of, you know, when you started from there going through and also now going through the pandemic, because, you know, it was in you, you know, we were in studio. And right. now you are at this. <laughs> right, 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 exactly. So I actually, when I look back at how I used to book a show, it was like going through almost like the yellow pages, looking for, <laughs> looking for nonprofits <laughs> and who looked like, you know, oh, maybe, maybe I should make this call. And we had Rolodexes with, you know, once we started, you know, um, seeking out, you know, people and figured out who was who to who the players were. You know, you had the little Rolodex you went through, you know, which are cards for the millennials that don't understand. (laughs) And and you'd be like, oh, that person at the Red Cross, let's call them, pull the name out, right? And and the other thing is that we shot everything on tape. So you're talking about um, footage that you would take out of a camera, give it to the editor, they put in their machine and they edit. But then if there's an issue with it, they'd have to start all over because there was no digital uh, editing, right? So that that was something that would slow you down. Fast forward to now, everything is digital. You know, we take out a P2 card and it goes in the camera, it comes out. If, if I need an editor to put in ad music or, you know, change a shot, it's not a big deal. It's like, oh, okay, wait, let me move that track around. So that's why I say to, um, you know, the generation behind us, like you guys have it easy and and not that it's an easy industry but your resources are easy to tap into you have google you you know you're like i'll say to the interns let's do a story on um black businesses in in new york city all you got to do is google you know black businesses new york city and the whole list comes up now all you got to do is pick up the phone and call and and i do recommend even though we're in email era you know, you could send an email and introduce yourself, but get on the phone and call because we're still, we're still, we're not computers. Yeah. Build those relationships. So you can go back to that person and say, Hey, Lisa, how are you? You know, it's Tracy. Just want to see how it's going. What are you guys up to? It shouldn't just be an email or a text. Right. Right. And, and that's how we actually connected. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, I sent a pitch to you, you emailed me back and, you know, I tell people when you send a pitch, if there's a telephone number, call oh. and see and oh. if they received it. And don't only just call when you send a pitch, send a text message. You know, right. I send you text messages for happy holidays or whatever. You have to like, just like what you said, you're human. 
Right. So it's not something where it's a machine that you got to go and go and go. I tell, I tell people, I joke around. I was like, listen, it's great that you know the reporter or the host. I said, you need to know the executive producer because that's the one who calls the shots. Right. A lot of people don't know that because, you know, they'll say, and I like being behind the scenes. And I really, I don't even, I don't know if I gave much thought to being in front of the camera. Um, I did like radio because I didn't have to worry about, oh, is my hair right or whatever. But, um, and once I got into television, you know, maybe for a half second, I said, oh, it'd be cool to be a reporter or whatever. But I realized that the creative um, control is behind the scenes. That's where you get to make decisions, come up with ideas. I could be just driving on the turnpike or wherever. And all of a sudden I said, oh, you know what? We haven't done a story on this. And, oh, that's a great idea. And so then all of a sudden I actually, it materializes, you know, I buy whoever it is. Um, I could produce a special in my head say, oh, let's take on a topic, um, you know, Black Lives Matter. Okay, who's going to be on? Who are we going to talk to? What happened? Where? How am I going to lay that out? It's almost like an art. I say it's like a rhythm. And all of that you get to do. The host, um, for the most part, they may copy edit your scripts or whatever, but you're the one that stacks the show. Where do the stories go? Um, a lot of times the interviews that are done in the field, the producer is the one that sits there in that seat, does that interview, and then the host will track their voice. Um, and so, like I said, you know, early on as a kid, I knew I liked to write, but uh, my family used to tease me because also as a child, I asked a hundred questions. And my mother said, oh my God, if you ask one more, nope, go ahead, ask your question, you know, but I would always ask a lot of questions. And so it was actually something in my DNA, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm just very inquisitive. I love people and I like to share their stories. You know, right. I like, met this fascinating person. Gotta hear this story. And that's really what good television is about. It's right. Telling. The storytelling. It's a story. It's about somebody's life, something that's going on that we need to know about. And, and perhaps there's a solution with long form television, like here and now, you know, what I like is that, yeah, there may be issues in the community, but there are a lot of people that are making changes and are doing things to make a difference. Let's hear what this is, what their lives are about and the project they're working on, who they're helping. So it gives, it gives us more room to really get to know what's going on in our community versus there was a shooting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That story of that. Right. And, 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 and I'm glad you brought that up also, because, you know, when you think about, you know, the African-American community, community of color, all you think about what's really being portrayed is a lot of the negativity, the shooting, the, you know, the lack of businesses, the lack of resources, but, you know, in all actuality, what you do is you're showing the riches in the black communities, you're showing the some of the resources that we do get, or you're bringing an awareness to say, hey, you know what, the, you know, this particular industry, this community needs these resources. And why do we need these resources to help out X, Y, and Z? So you bring in a great awareness to the platforms, to the people that needs to know that actually can make things happen. So again, I congratulate you guys. Thank you got to Fabulous, fabulous job. And before we go, I want to ask you one thing. What would Tracy tell her younger self, what she knows now, what would you tell your younger self back then? That 
my hard work was going to pay off and uh, to keep learning everything that I could learn, um, to not second guess myself so much and to um, make sure I keep in touch with people along the way and strengthen those um, professional relationships because those are some of the people that you may have to go back to um, and that can help you. Um, but I would also say that um, I think that I should not have doubted myself as much because I second guessed myself a lot when I was younger. And I'm like, am I good enough? Am I, am I a good enough writer? Am I, you know, just second guessing myself. Um, but once I let that go, it was like, this is my style. This is who I am. These are the people that I want to, you know, bring into the fold when it comes to segments, even though, you know, I would get pushed back. Oh, that's not such an interesting story. I don't think anybody's going to watch that. No, you know, go for it. Just go for it. Just go for it. And, and I end that with, although that is what you would tell your younger self, that's also what we would tell the younger generation now that's coming up behind us. Don't second guess yourself. Like this is an industry where you really can get lost. And, you know, sometimes it's a thankless job. <laughs> it's a thankless career. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, and, and it will mess with your mind. It'll, it'll mess with your mindset. But just keep going. Keep going forward. Do what you're doing. Because, look, Tracy is a successful executive producer. She's been with a major, major network for years and she's still rising because I know she has some secrets coming up. I'm not going to bring them up. We're going to bring you back to talk about that later. Um, but thank you again, Tracy, for taking the time to be on Netstruck Talks. And, um, you know, we're going to we're definitely going to have another conversation about, you know, how is it that we're going to evolve and grow and how we can actually help here and now and help you grow even more. Because, again, we're standing on your shoulders. We are looking at you to help you grow as well as help the african-american community so thank you no i appreciate that thank you i we can't i my team none of us can do it without our viewers and people like yourself share publicists that are making making it happen thank you again and do you want to say when um here and now airs for those like i said that's under a rock and you know Oh my God. Here and Now airs on Channel 7 WABC every Sunday at 12 o'clock, but on the ABC 7 NY app, you can watch Here and Now around the world. All our episodes you pull up from any of your smart devices and you can watch Here and Now. All the wonderful shows that we've um, put together for you. Absolutely. And thank you again, Tracy. Everyone, we'll see you at the next Netstruck Talks. Take care. Bye. Bye.